Welcome to the God-Centered Recovery Podcast brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. This podcast is dedicated to giving you a God-centered approach to recovery and to life. Follow along. Let's get started. All right, everybody. Welcome. Welcome back to the God-Centered Men Recovery Podcast. This is a ministry brought to you by Narrowgate Ministries. So uh, my name is Tim Holloway. I'm your host. If you're new here, uh, I encourage you to go listen to some past episodes and um, be encouraged by them. So today we're going to dive in deep to some questions and uh, just kind of free flow this podcast. This is a kind of different from the norm, but I thought it would be cool to um, to do this. So the first question we, we put out there in uh, Instagram was, how has the Bible helped in your recovery? And we put this on the, the Instagram page there, and uh, we got a lot of responses. Um, so I wanted to, to talk a little bit about how the Bible has helped other people inside of their recovery. And this is straight answers from them. And then uh, we'll go from there. Ozzy says this, uh, in every way, once I became a doer of the word and not just a hearer, my whole life changed from recovery to patience to helping others. Um, he says he's been sober since 32117. And I jumped in God's word and miracles started to take place. And he says, Thank you, Jesus. Man, that is a awesome, awesome um, answer to this question. You know, a lot of people ask, you know, how is the Bible relevant to our life? How is the Bible relevant to recovery? And uh, this is a, is a very good example of what the Bible can help along your recovery process. So he said in every way, once he became a doer of the word. And, uh, you know, I have the same testimony, and that is, you know, once I begin to read it and uh, become a disciple and be willing to put it into practice, things begin to change. Um, but it wasn't before then. You know, when I was in, I uh, was raised in Christian school, I was one of those bad little kids, um, got expelled a lot. Uh, my grandma thought that putting me in Christian school would help me. Um, so I went to Christian school for a little bit until I was removed from there. <laughs> but, um, I knew about God. I knew about chapel. I mean, we had chapel every Friday, dressed all nice with the little tie and, and stuff like that. And I went to church on Sunday. And so I knew all about God and I knew the verse is pretty good. I mean, being raised you know, as a Christian and going to Christian school and chapel and all that stuff all the time, you kind of pick up on some things. But, uh, you know, I knew the word, but I didn't know the word himself. You know, I knew the the book of, of the Lord, but I didn't know the Lord of the book, right? And so there's a time when something changes. And when it does, it's called application, right? And so when I begin to look at it in the form of application as that I'm a disciple and I want my life governed by the principles, you know, of this Bible, that things begin to change. And here's the reality that, and this is the truth, that we don't have a knowledge problem. 
you know, our, uh, our cities and our nation is saturated with knowledge, right? We have all these books and we have all these things to increase our knowledge. And I'm reminded of something that um, I believe Paul said, um, that knowledge puffs up, but loves it, love edifies, builds up, and encourages. Um, and I think what he meant by that is knowledge has a tendency to fill you with pride. And that is thinking that you know more than everybody else and being high-minded and, and, and lofty because you know all these principles or know all these commandments or know all these verses. But the reality is, is that um, application is the key. And so if you look at your life, you can, you can guarantee that you don't have a knowledge problem, that you have an application problem. There's somewhere in your life, if there's areas of dissatisfaction, frustration, and disappointment, and all those things, that it comes down to a misapplication or a non-application. A misapplication, of course, is, is misinterpreting certain truths and, and, and stuff like that. But a non-application is just simply not applying the prescription. Uh, my Bible... Um, teacher, I went to uh, an online college. Um, he used to say the commandments in the, in the Greek was a prescribed prescription. And that is, you, we, we know, you know, we go to the doctors and if we're sick, what do they do? They, they find out what we have, you know, if it's viral or we, you know, whatever it is. And um, they give us a prescription and that's the way we need to, to view the Bible as, as a prescription for our ailments. And it doesn't matter what is ailing us or, or, or what area we're struggling or failing or whatever it is. I can guarantee that there's a prescription for it. But here's the crazy thing about prescriptions. Now, we can refuse to take those, Right? And it's our responsibility to take the prescription. Now, I know this is a recovery podcast, so I, you know that I'm not talking about drugs here, right? But this, uh, the Bible and the things that are written in could be a prescription prescribed to us for whatever problem that we're facing. And that is the truth of what I've found um, the Bible important in life. Uh, in recovery, in relationships, um, and anything like that. All right, the next verse is said. Am I supposed to read it? <laughs> uh, how funny. And then they said, I like the, the idea of faith without works is dead. That is the truth. And that goes back to the application and fleshing things out. Um. I'm reminded of what Jesus said, and it's, it's pretty harsh, but it's powerful. And he said, you are my disciples if you continue in the word. And the way he said it, it says, you are my disciples indeed if you continue inside the word. And so a lot of times we, you know, we come to this life of faith and we believe 
and we don't continue in the word, and therefore we are not his disciples. We might be believers, we might have faith, but as far as him becoming our teacher and us becoming the pupil, the student, um, that is severely lacking. And so we have to be able to continue. All right, Jack said, and we're answering the question, how has the Bible helped inside of your recovery? And Jack said, it has produced faith and trust inside of him. So I'm, I'm reminded of something that Paul wrote, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But to take it a step further is, is the reading of it. Because it's the same thing, you know, as whether we it comes in through our ears or our eyes, it is the the hearing or the reading that produces faith. Because we see something like a prescription, whatever we're struggling with, whether it be unforgiveness, right? And we're we're reading and we're we're harboring unforgiveness in our heart. And we read it, and it says, forgive your brother your trespasses just as God has forgiven you. And all of a sudden, it pierces our soul, and it affects our conscience and our heart. Now, all of a sudden, we have a choice to make on whether we are going to take the prescription and whether we're going to reject the prescription. But the choice is always ours. And so we can move forward in faith and grow and expand when we what? When we yield to the prescription. Hmm. All right. I have found more spiritual freedom in Buddhist teachings. Ooh, okay. Than I ever did a read in the Bible or going to church to each his own. You know, I need to comment on this because, you know, I have thoroughly studied different religions and, and, uh, and stuff like that. So, I have a lot of problems with this, uh, with the Buddhist teachings. And the couple of the main reasons is, is that they just don't pan out to real life. And here's what I mean by that, is that for me, um, I can accept that uh, a deity or, or anything wants us to uh, become empty and uh, desire nothing. I just don't believe that. And then it's contrary to anything that Jesus said. He said, seek and you shall find, knock and, you know, desire and you will encounter and stuff like that. And um, the life of faith is a, is a life of expectancy and it's a life of powerful desire. And in fact, if we want intimacy and closeness with God, we're going to have to have a powerful, strong desire. And there's so many things within the Bible that says to desire these things and to seek after and pursue and all of these things um, that are contrary to the Buddhist teaching that says that you should empty yourself and desire nothing. Um, I just don't see it playing out in real life. And so real life, we have desires for our family for our body, for our, you know, for our bank accounts and all these different things, we have these powerful desires. And to begin to change, you have to ask yourself, what do you want? And I just don't find that in the Buddhist teaching because they say you should want nothing, become empty. 
And so what I found from looking at it is the Buddha basic is, is life sucks and it's full of suffering and we suffer because we have desires and therefore we should desire nothing. And I just don't buy into that. I'm sorry, brother. But uh, moving on. For me, tremendously, there's so many references to God in the big book, honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, every topic in the Bible, for me, you have to believe in something greater than yourself. You know, I agree, uh, and I know from, you know, I was in um, 12-step meetings, AANA, um, when I was 16 years old to... Um, from quite a while, and I know the the history, and I know the the effect that it can have on a person in the positive recovery and stuff like that. But anybody who studies the history of the twelve steps and and AA and stuff like that, they know that um, that it was highly connected to the Methodist Church, and that um, that they were influenced by a lot of the leaders from the church. Um, later on, the, they moved away to um, from Jesus and made it to a God of your own understanding. But it started out, um, uh, if you search it up, even some of the first meetings were held inside the Methodist Church. Um, it has a strong spiritual foundation. Um, and so I totally agree with you. There's so many references to to God and faith and and the principles of the Bible inside of the big book and inside the um, AA program. So, so true. All right. Whether it's in the Bible or any legit reading that has God's words in it, I stands and it stands by the principles, uh, not made by man. Uh, it's good for my recovery. I tried countless times to get clean, not just off drugs, um, clean my life up, but never was successful until I got saved. God is the only way, and His Word is like food to be eaten daily and enjoyed. Nothing more than a crazy walk in the streets lost, but now I'm loving Christ, who is clean and sober for almost 15 months. A loving father to my son, patient like never before, and overall a whole new being, and I continue to grow through God and His Word. Uh, he goes on and tells some more, but uh, you could totally tell this powerful transformation uh, that began to happen inside of his life um, because of what he read inside the Bible. Now, I must confess that, um, you know, when I first got serious about this, there's a lot of things that didn't make sense, you know, inside the Bible and, and the way that it's structured and all the different writers and who are they writing to and and uh, chronological order and different stuff that uh, it can become kind of confusing. Um, but here's where trust and faith comes in, and that is actually sitting down and asking God to give you revelation. You know, some of the greatest moments of peace and um, contentment and just overall fulfillment in my life has happened with revelation. And that is looking at something, reading something, think about it over and over, dissecting it and getting every possible truth that can come from a simple sentence, just one simple sentence inside the Bible and just really thinking about it and, 
how is it applicable to me? Uh, recently for me, it was um, when Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. I spent three days on that sentence. Three days. What does this mean? What was he trying to say? What it was every single word that was translated? How is this applicable to my life? What does it mean to me? What is my commitment now that I know this truth that part of my mission and part of my purpose in my life is to be about the Father's business? What is that business? How does it play out in my life? And so just really grabbing a hold of, of what is being written and asking yourself a bunch of questions related to that verse um, is so powerful and um, it's very fulfilling thing for, that I do. All right, here's another one. We're talking about how has the Bible helped in your recovery? Uh, still rises... He says this, and this is on Instagram, and it's helped me keep my focus and maintain the good path. Reading the Bible has helped me to keep my thoughts centered on him and meditating on all that is good, right and pure, has been my source of strength, courage, and zeal. Hmm. <sighs> you see, we... We come into this journey with baggage. And the way that I picture it is, uh, I remember the story of Lazarus when Jesus raised him from the dead. And he was wrapped in all these uh, wrapped in all these garments or mummified clothes or whatever they were doing. And after um, he was raised from the dead, they, they went through the process of unwrapping him and taking all this um, evidence of death off of him. Um, and that's the way I see our lives is that we come, we, we resurrect to a new life, right? But we still have on the garments of death. And it takes the unwrapping, the taking off of these garments of death uh, to begin to really experience the life that God has called us to live. And what that means is subconsciously we have all these belief systems and all these things that are contrary to a powerful life, to the new life. And those things must unwrap. Um, and this is called the, the renewing of your mind. And this is what Paul talks about to not be conformed to, to the world, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here is an awesome reality transformation. Everybody's looking for transformation, right? They want to change. They want to be everything that God has called them to be. And it's clearly laid out. Transformation only happens by mind renewal. It only happens. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind equals transformation. And here's what a lot of people do. They try to change from the outside in. So they're changing all their external things. They're changing their environment. They're changing some of their habits and some of their behaviors and stuff like that. And I give them props. And I, and I um, you know, I used to work for a behavior uh, modification uh, treatment center. So I understand the importance of, of helping people change their behaviors. 
But here's the problem with that is that they never change their heart. And so the way that God works is far different. It's the seed of the word of God sown inside of a heart that brings life, that brings change, that brings transformation, mind renewal, heart change, transformation on the outside. And so what the Bible proposes is transformation that happens within, that it begins to affect every single area of your life. And it's almost more effortlessly. You know, there's people always looking for effortless trans transformation, right? I mean, you see it on TV all the time. Five-minute abs, you know, um, the diet that you don't have to change the way you eat, <laughs> whatever it is. And it's, it's all these things. They're promising uh, effortless change. And the true effortless change or the change that doesn't require so much exertion is the change that happens inside of our heart and getting a hold of the truth and meditating on it, getting inside of our heart and begin a heart transformation. All of a sudden we believe different. We think different. And guess what begins to happen? We act different. And the reality is, is that we live up to our own identity our own Christian identity. Therefore, if we are sinners and scum of the earth, we're going to act like that. But if we believe that we are children of God, that we believe that we are sons and daughters of the King, if we believe that we are a royal priesthood, if we believe all these powerful things that are written inside of the word, guess how we act? Like royalty, like children of God. I want you to think about this for a minute. I think about it all the time. And it's a very powerful reality that the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells inside of us. That same spirit. Now, the only reason why we don't experience the reality of it is because we don't quite believe it. And that is the God that created this universe, right? How epic and how powerful he could be. Just think about it. Man, I was watching um, a show yesterday about the stars and how many galaxies are out there, and my mind was just blown about the power of God. And the reality hits me like a ton of bricks, that the same power that created the universe dwells on the inside of me. And so here's the problem is that I don't fully believe that or I haven't fully tapped into or enjoying that power. Because what addiction, what addiction could stand under the power of the creator of the universe? It just it simply could not live. It could not thrive. It could not grow, right? And so we got to grab a hold of the reality of Emmanuel, and that is God with us. God is with us, so much with us that he inhabits us and that he dwells on the inside of us. You see, whenever I'm, I'm struggling in my life, whenever I'm weak, whenever I, um, I'm facing difficulties and I'm, and I'm getting tempted to get discouraged and frustrated, this is one thing I know. But I'm not believing that the creator that created all this, every single galaxy, I'm not believing that he's dwelling on the inside of me, empowered me, 
to live this awesome life. It's the truth. Whew. That's powerful. All right. I think this is the last one. The Bible has been my weapon, my defense against the enemy. The more I read and study, the more I gain to use against the enemy. You know, one thing that I believed about spiritual warfare and about uh, evil is that uh, evil is defeated. Now, we don't experience the reality of it because we often don't believe on the finished work of Jesus and what he accomplished, that he made a public spectacle of evil and triumph over him and... Um, and that he's no longer as relevant as we think he is. You know, a lot of times we we think the devil this, the devil that, and, and blah, blah, blah. But we don't understand that he has been defeated. And that he is a defeated foe. And that he is under the feet, of course, of our Savior and our King. And that comes back to him living on the inside of us. And so since he dwells and lives there, where does evil... Where's that poet evil? Under our feet. You know, we think that uh, um, the, uh, that evil has these unlimited resources, but it's just not the case. That God has defeated him in a public spectacle of him. And so this idea of um, warfare that uh, a lot of people have is just... Um, it's just not based upon the Bible. What we, our biggest warfare, our biggest struggle is to believe that he's already defeated. That's the problem. And so we as believers should maintain that posture of this enemy of ours is defeated and that he's under our feet. But here, here's some of the problems that, you know, the enemy sometimes is the inner me. And that is the the thoughts and belief systems, the detrimental mindsets, um, the negative relationships that we got into, you know, all of these things we can attribute to the devil. Um, when in fact it is our own stinking thinking, right? Now it may be in line with the, uh, our thoughts and our belief systems might be in line with evil. Uh, but then again, we can't blame evil for that. We must take responsibility for the mindsets that we have. You know, the Bible calls these the doctrines of devils, and that is the thoughts and beliefs of evil that don't get us the results that we want. And so first, I think we got to understand is first that the, all evil has been defeated and is under our feet, and we can triumph over that, right? Thanks be to God that always causes us to triumph in Christ. And then understand that I need to defeat the inner me by renewing my mind so I can begin to walk in the truth. And that is powerful, powerful thing. All right. So that is it for today. You know, I want to just share just a tad bit more of how the Bible has helped in my recovery. And that is when I read it, and it inspires me, and I, I receive light and revelation. And I get an aha moment of aha. And that is, I've never thought of that before. Or the reality comes is that 
I am not doing that in my life. And when I change, when I yield, when I conform, then results begin to take place thereafter. And I thoroughly believe that that's the way God has set things up. It's this cause and effect scenario that we sometimes we think that we can have a fulfilled and a great life, yet fail to apply the principles. And we say we're living in grace and God loves us and all those things. And all those things are true, but our lives are not going to get any better until we yield. And it's the truth. They're not going to get any better until we yield. Now, God might love us, might love us unconditionally. We might be going to heaven, but we're going to have a miserable life until we start to yield to the things that we know to be true. And so that's a powerful reality. Thank you for joining me uh, in this podcast. I encourage you to join us in our group. Um, I'm going to leave the link in the bottom of this podcast so you can join. Uh, we have a Facebook group, uh, and uh, we have an addiction group. We have just uh, powerful and positive things going on. Uh, I wanted to share with you my vision of where this is going to go. And so I encourage you to listen to the next podcast because I'm going to share with you uh, the vision of this ministry and where it is going. And I thank you so much for listening. Peace.